Hello everyone, welcome back to The Big Life, episode 7. Jordan Wick is here, co-host Sam Carey, two-time defensive player of the week. Shout out Sam, how you feeling? Uh, that's terrifying that you just said that out loud. Um, but no, I'm feeling good. One week into big time play, another big week coming back. Thank you, Jordan, for acknowledging that. That was definitely a surprise to me, but wouldn't come without my team. Ready just to get after it for one more week. How did this week look in college soccer for you, Jordan? This week was a bit crazy. A lot of ties going around. I know both of us kind of participated in that trend. That we did, that we did. All right, tell me about your tie. How was the game? It was good. It's my favorite game of the year, just knowing some of the players growing up in Ohio, being an Ohio State fan for 18 years of my life before I came to MSU. So it's it's always my favorite game. It was pretty good, felt confident in our play. Unfortunately, we didn't come out with the result we wanted. It's how it goes sometimes, so. Absolutely, you know, Illinois is a team that always plays us tough and it's always a good game and you can't take anything for granted against them. And we had a couple chances we probably should have put away early. We didn't and they capitalized on a chance that we gave them. So credit to them on that regard. But I at least give our team a lot of credit for fighting back. They scored on us in about the 30th minute and it took us until the 83rd to score back. That fight, throwing numbers forward, making it happen and we're happy to leave that game with a tie and obviously we want a better result, but excited to move forward this week. There's a lot of ties across the Big Ten Conference, so it wasn't just us by any means. Absolutely not. There were only four results and then three ties. So six teams ended up coming out with a draw here in the Big Ten Conference play. So that's the crazy thing. The margin for error is just so small in the Big Ten, as well as other college conferences, but everyone's good and it's going to come down to the small things and the details at the end of the day. So a lot of ties will be happening, I'm sure, the rest of the season. Absolutely. And this is only the second year, I believe, where you end in a tie. There's no more overtime or penalty kicks, anything of that nature. So until you go into postseason, 90 minutes, you go through it, you're done, and it ties a tie. Absolutely. Jordan, what other games caught your eye this week? Yeah, so I think we have to acknowledge, number one, falling to an unranked Utah State. So BYU ended up playing Utah State, and uh, Utah came out with the win. Yeah, that was that was the crazy one I think we all saw was I remember seeing that Utah State had scored, and I was like, oh, okay, what's the score, though? And it was 1-0, and it ended that way. So huge shout-out to Utah State. Down goes number one. Sure, that's a bit of a rivalry, too, both schools being in Utah. So super fun to follow along with that. Was there any other – there's a couple other – this week what do you got for us Jordan yeah yeah another unranked Lamar beating Xavier who was number 15 at the time so another upset there as well absolutely and then our last one we have Princeton upset Georgetown big upsets all across college soccer and it truly shows that everyone's good at this level it's just a matter of one more game one minute anything can happen at any moment absolutely stuff got really real really quickly things <laughs> just got a little bit harder here Absolutely. Well, guys, we are so, so excited to bring on the guests that we brought on for this podcast episode. Jordan and I just recorded the interview and we had a little bit too much fun. There was quite literal laughs and tears shed. Did not think those tears would be from me. So you got to see what those moments are. But we brought on our moms. You know, you hear about the life of a college soccer player all the time, but you don't hear that how it affects the family and the people that support us most. So Jordan, what was the best part about having your mom on? Yeah, just getting to kind of see her thoughts as she went through this with me. I mean, we've definitely had a lot of conversations, but when you go through this process, you kind of forget that you're not alone. Like your parents are with you every step of the way, making just as much or a lot of times even more sacrifices than we are as athletes to make this all work and to make our dreams a reality. So hearing her thoughts as you went through all of this in this process, I think was really, you know, interesting and eye-opening because um, it it's not just about me. And I think sometimes you forget that, you know, this was my parents' process just as much as it was mine. So getting to hear their journey as well. What about you? I think that's it. I think every mother that maybe listens to this podcast, maybe every daughter that might as well go grab your mom or your kiddo, spend some time with them, get in the car and turn on this podcast. Cause trust me, it's going to be an episode you don't want to miss. Hey, Jordan, have you seen the Barbie movie? Well, duh. The Barbie world is centered around women, and it's so nice to see things finally starting to be made with women's bodies and change in mind. We're finally starting to see this change, and especially coming in sports. Yeah, we've seen equal pay, increased attendances and viewership, increased sponsorships for women. And yeah, this past World Cup was the first time that Nike made the national team jerseys specifically for women. It's about time. 
We're shaped differently than men, so it makes sense that we'd be comfortable in a different look or fit. Similarly, our sponsor today, Ida Sports, has been making cleats specifically for female players because, again, our feet are shaped differently than men's. It's brilliant. And it makes so much sense. They're backed by science, having studied female physiology and biomechanics. We carry our weight differently than men, we move differently, and all of that has gone into creating custom cleats to support our bodies in our game. All I know is that a sporty Barbie would definitely be wearing Ida cleats because they're made by women and for women. All right, everyone, we thought we would have the best guest possible. I think Jordan and I would both agree that we are so, so lucky to get their crazy availability and get them on the podcast. And frankly put, for all the listeners of the pod, I don't know who you could learn better from than these two absolutely incredible soccer moms. So mom, thank you so much for coming on and we're excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And Lauren, thank you so much for joining us as well. For everyone who's listening, we have my mom here, Mama Carrie, who goes by Kim. Um, She's in the town because we had a game yesterday and she wanted to spend the day with me. And Lauren's here as Jordan's mom. And we're excited to dive deeper into the life of a college soccer mom and a soccer mom in general. All right. My first question is going to go to Lauren. When did you know that your daughter wanted to seriously take soccer like as a serious commitment? And what was that like investing into her soccer to the degree that you did? Well, that's hard. Jordan loved whatever sport she was playing. Jordan would choose to play any sport we would allow her to play. We had karate, gymnastics, everything. So she was playing basketball. Basketball was her chosen sport. If she was doing soccer, soccer was her chosen sport. I don't think she actually chose soccer until high school. I would say ninth, 10th grade is where she said, all right, realistically, like I have the best shot to go the furthest and do the most with soccer. And I love soccer. So that's the one I'm going to choose. Awesome. And what was that investment like for you guys? You know, we all know that like club soccer is expensive and travel and not just your money, but your time and you have other kids. So what was that decision like for you saying, yeah, we're going to go all in on this? Jordan was our, is the oldest of the five. And I remember doing travel soccer, which isn't really travel. It's local. And us thinking like, oh my God, I don't know. Are we going to be able to handle it? Because, you know, her games are now like maybe an hour away and we're like, well, we'll try. And then she was good. And everybody kept saying, she's not in club. She needs to be in club. We're like, well, what is this club thing? We said we would try it. That's all that my husband and I said we could do. When Jordan started, we had a newborn. Mm. So we said, we'll give it a try. If it works, it works. If not, we can always pull back. Yeah. And that was always our attitude. Here we are, we're still doing it. So it just becomes your new norm. I think my husband and I, for years, people didn't realize we were married because it's only one of us at an event because the other one is doing something with one of the other kids. The commitment is, it's extreme. Absolutely. I don't know what else to. Yeah. Do you yeah. have anything to add from your experience, mom, on that? Um, as far as when you started taking soccer seriously. Yeah, what was that commitment like for you? I knew you were ready to take the commitment. You've always played soccer. You started playing soccer when you were three. Um, you played for local clubs and smaller name teams and stuff. But when you were willing to voluntarily leave playing with your friends to go play at a higher level club where you didn't know anybody because, but that was just because you were taking soccer so seriously. That's when I knew you were ready to make the next level. And that was about sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. When you left the people that you've played with since you were a baby. Yeah. To um, make that commitment. Investment wise, it was a big jump. And I don't have five kids, but I have another child. And so we were the same way. It was, it was like, we didn't have to play zone. We played man to man. Dad and Zach would do something. Me and you would do something or vice versa. And we just had to split our time. And as a family, we gave up a lot of doing something with all four of us because somebody always had some commitment on the weekend that was going in an opposite direction. So do we call this the defensive tactics of being a soccer mom? How do you cover it all? Man to man for zone. I like it. I like it. Exactly. Do you remember mom, the phone call with John Felton, the first club coach that called me and kind of how that all went down. And I remember sitting in the kitchen with you and you guys kind of having that conversation of like, are we going to take this leap? And then it was like back to back to back. We were out of the state. You were in crutches. Did you ever have a moment where you were like, we made a mistake? <laughs> Maybe when I picked up the phone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. So, uh, you know, we said, okay, we'll try it right away. My husband back then he worked weekends, you know, we had a newborn, somebody always had to be here. And then I ended up having surgery. Uh, I was supposed to have just a meniscus surgery. 
and I woke up to complete microfracture surgery. So I was total non-weight bearing with a newborn. When we committed, she had these weekends, like three of them within a two month period that we absolutely committed and said we were going to make this work. My husband being a police officer, they had something come up. He could not take them, take her. It was me. I'm non-weight bearing on crutches and I'm driving to, I believe it was WAGS. It was, you know, in Washington and it was like a seven hour drive. And it's like those commercials when I got out for her first game where, you know, it's like maybe a short distance, but then it zooms in and it seems like the, it goes on forever and forever. So they're like, oh, we're playing on that close field over there. And in my mind, I'm like all the way over there and I'm like crutching it. And she felt so bad. She's like, mom, I'll help you. I'm like, no, you got to go. You got to go. So, um, that was when I was like, this is real. And I'm leaving my, you know, my little one at home. I mean, she's home, you know, with dad and, and other people were helping out, but it was like, okay, this, this is going to be our new, our new norm. And, um, we made it work and it ended up being a great weekend. And I still have very vivid memories. And luckily those parents that I met, they were awesome. And, you know, we worked together and that's soccer life. That's you awesome. never had a moment where you were like, um, cause I'm curious for this too, cause we never really talked about it where you second guessed maybe that decision for it with it being so difficult, so early, so quickly. If I regretted the decision or if I thought it was the right one for you. Both, I guess. Either one. The second we made the decision for you and I saw you play the first game, there was no turning back. So uh, you just blossomed right away. I think it was too easy for you where you were and you never had a situation where you weren't one of the best on the field locally. And I really liked that that was going to be a life lesson for you. For the first time ever, you were going to have to work and you weren't at the top. So I really thought that that was important. And I thought no matter how difficult it is, again, I mean, your dad and I, the motto is we can only do what we can do. And it's just amazing how we always seem to somehow just do it. So no, I don't have any regrets. And right now I think, um, I feel so fortunate that that was our, our series of events and it turned out that way. And, you know, hoping maybe your little sister, you know, we're a little bit more knowledgeable for her. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, my sister, I'm the oldest of five, the youngest one is 10 right now. So she'll be just kind of where I was starting that process. So Lauren may not be in this case because she does have a little bit to keep going and have those early soccer days. But me being your youngest mom, what do you miss most about being a soccer mom before your daughter went to college? Let's travel together. We used to travel to all the games together. We would go the weekends together. Sometimes we get playing to ECNL events in Seattle or sometimes just long car rides to Michigan for Michigan Hawk weekends, things like that. So the car rides and the detours we took to <laughs> I remember that one time you almost got left behind on the team bus <laughs> we were like pulling out so it was like where's Sam's mom he turned around she's like sprinting trying to catch the bus was, I, we think only once or twice in four years did the parents drive with the kid probably because we left you behind <laughs> so I preferred the drive where it was just the two of us in the car together and never made the most direct trip there that's fair that's fair did you take a bus to your, like your team took a bus to your meets? Very, every I once know. in a while we would. And so that was like always nice for like the girls, especially we would love like the times you could all like ride together and all the girls are joking in the back while the parents want us to shut up in the front. Um, that happened quite a bit. And then I think after a few times of noise complaints, uh, that stopped. Yeah. So it very quickly became like mom and I's trips. And those are definitely some of my favorite memories. What would you say, and Lauren, I'd love to hear yours as well. Do you have a like favorite moment that stands out of Jordan's before she went to college? Well, my favorite, I can tell you a moment, but it has nothing. It does have to do with soccer, but it doesn't. All right. We were on one of her, this was after your graduation party. It was our last trip. So usually what would happen is, you know, we'd have to divide and conquer. So if it was a long drive, I voted that my husband would take her on the long drives. They didn't have buses. It was always the parents. And if it was a flight, 
suddenly I may volunteer to go on the flight to the warm, you know, Florida or Vegas places. I'm like, you know what? I'll take this. Depends on the the flight's somewhere cold. You were out too. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, So it was a flight to Florida and we get there and it's going to be her last trip. This is the very last one. It was nationals and she's going to be leaving for college in a couple of weeks. And do you remember Jordan? We're getting our rental car. And I go to the guy, I mean, there's like hardly any cars left. You know, this is right after the COVID year, but COVID stuff is still sort of going on. And I said, oh, where's, where's the, you know, Mustang or Corvette that you're giving us? And I think I rented like, by the way, like just to get a minivan. (laughs) Oh, no, it was even a small, it was like a small compact car. You know what I think they were going to give us is the one with the the little hamsters. What are those cars? Yes. So he walks and he's walking that way. And I go, uh, this isn't the car, the Corvette or the convertible that I had, you know, wanted. And he's talking, he's like, you want one? Come on, come with me. And all of a sudden Jordan and I are in a white convertible Mustang with red trim. And we had this for the entire time. So I think that was my favorite moment because the first thing we did was we took down the hood, we turned on the music and she's like, mom, you think this can reach a hundred? I'm like, we're going to find out. (laughs) <laughs> and we're driving. And do you remember Jordan? And then all of a sudden, at, you know, we, we may have hit that hundred mark and then it started raining and we're like, that's eh, good. And it was just like a light sprinkle. We just kept it. And we just kept driving, singing. And that was probably my favorite moment. I'll always remember that. I remember it. It was like a aha moment. Maybe my mom actually is kind of cool. Breaking news. But it was supposed to be, we weren't supposed to tell dad. Now if he watches this, he might know. So <laughs> I, took it. I didn't get a ticket. There you go. And all that matters. All that matters. The only funny thing is that my senior year, my last ECNL trip too, we actually also got a cherry red Corvette driving that was, that through. That was the plan after four years of we're, doing if we're going school. to Yeah. If we're going to Arizona, we're like, we got to drive through the Grand Canyon in a Corvette. Like that just seemed like the natural thing. Um, that's the two dummies from Missouri, though. <laughs> didn't didn't, the weather. <laughs> didn't realize that the Grand Canyon is cold in November. Breaking news. Um, oh. <laughs> so we really thought we were geniuses by driving through the Grand Canyon with a top down and no jackets. It was, it was 22 like degrees and snowy. So <laughs> breaking news for anyone who wasn't aware, uh, Arizona's cold. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. And we had the Corvette that broke every... Our hood didn't go up and then it didn't go back down and we couldn't get it back up. (laughs) All right. Anyway, transitioning from all of this craziness, obviously you both have two daughters who are now playing in the big 10 college soccer and there's a whole process to get there. So during your daughter's recruiting process, what do you think your biggest fear was overall? Um, well, a lot of it was she was very independent. So my fear was her saying yes somewhere out of excitement, but not really thinking it through. So I'm sure she knows this, but she'd have her conversations and we weren't allowed to be in the room. But I really did have confidence in her. After I heard her, the first couple, and she talked to us after, I was like, okay, she's got this. So it shifted. It was her, not my worry for her was when she was starting to get a couple offers and she had an idea of where she wanted to play would have been, she finds a school she really wants and it wouldn't logistically have made sense financially or, you know, whatever. And, and I worried about that. I worried she'd have her heart set to go here, but you know, she's very practical and she would know I want to go here, but really I should just go here. I was going to settle. Settle. That's the word. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Biggest fear, biggest fear was not finding the right fit, finding the with taking all the aspects into consideration, not just playing, but distance. Like your first offer came from a school in California, and you were so excited when you got that first offer. But I'm thinking to myself, you've always been a homebody. I don't know if you could handle parents only coming to one game a season because of flying out to California or how often you would logistically get home and things like that. So after kind of reining in down the excitement and 
staying a little bit more Midwest and the Midwest offers came in, I think you started realizing that it's not just about soccer, but it's about the big picture. Who's got the right academics, who's got the right distance from home, who's got the vibe on campus where you think that you would fit in non-soccer wise and things like that. So it was being able to put the whole picture together. Yeah. What point did you realize that this was kind of going to be our past? Because I know for me, a lot of the conversations were centered around kind of high school and making that team. At what point did you guys realize that we're going past that? This is going to be a reality where we're fighting for a spot to go to college and at a high level even. I think it was middle school. And see, Sam's a little bit different. Right between your, you and Sam, the recruit process changed. And so there were girls on her team that were going for college visits in eighth grade and and that was just an ECNL team and that was just the way it happened now her coach did not like that he tried really hard to keep the process to not start until maybe the end of freshman year but the truth of the matter is somehow colleges were contacting the coaches in eighth grade or somehow people were making visits or you would go to an ID camp and questions would start being asked and the process was somehow started and um, so I knew about seventh or eighth grade that we were serious about it. I did not know what level of soccer she was going to play. I knew she would play collegiate soccer, but I was not sure until probably beginning of high school where she, where her skill level fit. And that was a big, that was a big part of seventh and eighth grade was figuring out where does her school level fit when it comes to college soccer. Wow. Yeah. Cause I, I think we definitely had different paths and I didn't, I don't think I joined club until like sixth or seventh grade where we even started looking at all of it as a whole. So um, what about you? We got to talk to high school. We got to talk to how coaches when you were like a freshman in high school. My first unofficial visit was September of my freshman year of high school. Whereas now it's like junior year. So things have just changed a lot or between you guys. Yeah. Wait, was your first visit? Uh, September of my freshman year of high school. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, I mm, I don't think you were even a hundred percent that that's what you were going to do your freshman year, but by 10th grade, I think something clicked and I think a lot of it had to do. So Jordan was also part of that triangle. Like you had talked about in your earlier podcast where the, the college coach would reach out to, you know, your club coach. And a lot of times it was an email and then we would get these emails sent to us. And at first we're like, okay, these are nice. But I think when they started coming in a lot more and then maybe they would only mention just Jordan or Jordan and, you know, one or two other players on the team, um, we started to say like, like, this could really be a path. And then um, right before they did the dead period because they changed the rules Jordan was on the phone for two days straight, I think, talking to different coaches and schools, schools that we hadn't even thought were in the picture. We're doing that triangle, trying to at least make communication. And I think at that moment, I knew, you know, that this is going to be something really good for her. Awesome. So transitioning into college, you know, Jordan's now an upperclassman and I'm winding down with my career. What do you wish you would have known in Jordan's freshman year that you could give that advice to soccer moms now going into their freshman year of college? You want to go first? (laughs) That one's hard. (laughs) After having seen five years of soccer play out, um, it's kind of cliche. And we were told over and over again in high school to trust the process. And I will have to say, you have to trust the process. There is a path and there is a plan. And it may not be exactly what, as a freshman coming in, you thought your plan was going to be, but give it time, have faith in it. Don't give up the dream too early. Just stick with it because by the end, it probably something good will happen. I've seen a lot of successful people not be successful as freshmen, but be very successful in their junior and senior year. Yeah, yeah I think I got to agree with you. I think it starts with those looking to go into college. Um, Some of them gave up too early because, oh, there's no schools interested in me. And they dropped out. And I know others that didn't commit until, you know, all the way down to, you know, I'm going to be starting school pretty soon, you know, a couple of weeks. So I agree with you. Trust the process. And if it's in your heart that you want to play college soccer, I think you can find a place somewhere. 
at some level, some school, you'll find your home. I don't know if I would have thought that before we did all this with Jordan, but I believe that now. And listening to the podcast I'm, that you guys have been doing, I get a lot more insight of things I didn't know. And um, I guess I would say the same as you, you know, Jordan has definitely said, mom, I got it. You know, I'm good. You know, it'll be fine. And then we just let it ride out and it does. That being said, you know, Jordan and I have acknowledged on both degrees that college soccer is great, but also has its hard moments. You know, I can tell you the amount of times I've probably called my mom, like I suck and I'm a terrible soccer player. What is your best advice for those soccer moms trying to just support their daughters? Listen, don't, don't intercept. Don't necessarily talk and give advice, but just listen, let you get the frustration, the rant out of your system, let you talk and then let you process while you're talking in your safe space in your head to resolving your own issues. So I'm not here to tell you what to do or how to do it. I'm just here to listen to you go through your process. I would say exactly the same. The only other advice is sometimes I have to remind Jordan, when you guys are playing soccer, your world seems this big. So everything is caught up in just, you know, on the team, the minutes, the the points, the, the game. And every now and then I have to say, Jordan, take a step back look what you've done, look where you are and, and be proud. You know, your world isn't this small and you need to look in other than that. I agree with you completely. It's, I cannot give advice when, when it's those moods, because you know, it, it doesn't go well. Me, we don't like to hear it. What do you mean? And you only get a one-sided approach too. So it's a little hard to give neutral advice, but I have no idea what you guys are talking about at all, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's, I mean, it's definitely some really good advice and, you know, I always have to remind myself a little bit too here. Um, even without you, mom, like good. It's not that you have given you any credit cause that'd be ridiculous, but I appreciate it. What do you think has been the biggest change in our relationship after me going off to college, not even necessarily as just a student athlete, but just as an individual, after living at home for 18 years, I'm now in a different state, kind of on my own. Um, you know, Nolan, my brother, the next oldest in our little chain here just left as well. Like, what do you think that that transition is like the biggest change in those relationships? Um, I think you got nicer. <laughs> um, and I think that means that you needed some separation too, you know, and we can appreciate each other more. And we miss each other more. And I think, I think you just needed your space. I always knew that you were going to fly. You, it wouldn't have mattered where you went, what school, how far. Jordan was always going to fly, but I never worried about her not coming home because I think you're pretty well tied down to your family. You are connected with your siblings, but you also have no reservations about going, doing, seeing, and being whoever it is that, that you were meant to be. And so when you went away to college, it was time for you to just fly. And I felt good in it. I actually didn't really cry too much when we dropped you off. Yeah, which is ridiculous because they shed, cried like a baby for my brother, so... Well, but let me, let me, this is also the life of a college mom. We go to move her in. We're up at the crack of dawn. I don't even know 4am driving. Cause she's got to move in at nine and we get there and she has one hour, one hour to get her key, set up her room, do everything. And then she's like, bye mom. I got to go. I got practice. And I'm like, okay. And so I think that was part of it. Like I didn't have time. We didn't even have a long goodbye. The other part was I knew I was coming back in two weeks to see you and two weeks after that and, you know, going to this game or that game. So it didn't feel like a major separation. Now your brother's 12 hours away. I'm, I'm, I'm still <laughs> having a hard time. I've seen Jordan sometimes now more than I saw her when she lived here because she was always out and about doing something. Yeah. 
No, I agree completely. Um, she lives four hours away from home, but with games and whatnot, you see her. I still during the fall season, I see her twice a week. Yeah, <laughs> so, which is arguably more than I would have seen you if you were at home. So, what do you think the biggest change in our relationship has been since going to college? More of a partnership. I listen. You, I'm more of a listener now, and I let you. Make Are you trying sure? to say you're like less hard on me than you were? Because oh, I'd, like, I'd like to point that out there. <laughs> because you got to a point where you could self-assess yourself accurately, I could stop being hard on you and just being your partner. And that took maturity, and it took until you got to college, I think, to make that happen. Yeah, that's fair. So speaking of, you said you see me twice a week. I do have a specific question to ask you. So one thing about Mama Carrie, good old Kim, she's put a lot of miles on that car. And I think in my five years as a college soccer player, you've missed two games. And that was most once a year and most once a year. So why do you go to every game? Largely for the hug after the game. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) I had a good game, hug, a bad game, hug. uh, Oh my God, I scored my first header goal hug. (laughs) Whatever the case is, but. I'd say that's probably what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, give her a hug. Oh, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Stop. You gotta go. Jordan, ask a question. I gotta, I gotta, I need a minute. <laughs> I need a minute now after that. I mean, I'm gonna cry here. But it's also a little bit easier. I don't have five children. So yeah. it's just two of us. So if I don't get to go to the game, dad gets to go to the game. So yeah. we try really hard to. And you were kind enough to pick a school that we could drive to most games. Yeah, they might be three to four hours away or maybe even eight, but they're at least drivable and they're not across country. So yeah. we appreciate that. Yeah. Mom, what do you think the highlight of my college career thus far has been? What's been the highlight for you as a parent watching me go through this all? Doing the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, that is, that's so cool. You know, seeing you guys on here using Soccer is an outlet for other things where I know that you're able to take the skills, take what you know, take what you've learned and be able to share it with others and expand on it. Do you ever think I would, out of all people, be the one to have a podcast? I'm probably the only person who wasn't that surprised. (laughs) I literally heard her coaches, Gabe's dad, texted me and said how is Jordan doing a podcast she only said like one word ever <laughs> and so I think you got some views just because people didn't know she talked I definitely think that's true I think it was a shock factor when I posted that people were like I have to listen there you go yeah. a view but, is a view Jordan a view is a view yeah <laughs> that's right this is your reminder to like and subscribe share the podcast <laughs> that's a big life I agree Um, But no, I wasn't surprised, Jordan. I was not surprised when you did it because I don't know. I've always seen it in you. That's how you're wired. The the good thing about me and Jordan is we're alike in a lot of ways. And the bad thing about me and Jordan is we're alike in a lot of ways. We're not alike at all. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, mom, what would you say the hardest part about being a soccer mom is? Don't worry. You worry is she happy with her performance? You worry if she's happy is she gonna get to play? You worry if she's getting don't you want to get hurt? There's a lot of worry and anxiety that goes in. You want her to be as successful as possible. It's your last year, your last chance. You want it even even a little bit more this year. So there's a lot of worry that there's a worry about everything about being a mom, but I would have to say the worry before the games. Do you have a highlight in my career? What stands out to you? As far as soccer and college? College soccer career. Hmm. Honestly, nothing. Spe- there's not a specific game that's a highlight. There, there's many, many highlights and many, many movements here or there. That was a great shot, but I can't say that there's one moment that really, really sticks out as being the best. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. Two big ten champs and no yeah highlights. yeah literally not one of them said oh when my daughter won the big ten championship I'd like to point that out there hello first goals championships commitments come on mom there's a list of highlights I could give you I was ranked again like we could we keep talking big ten defensive player of the week times two like let's talk about this y'all no nothing comes to mind nothing's been good enough yet <laughs> we just haven't had that many highlights I guess Jeez. It's because we we probably both knew that you guys had it in you. We're yeah. not surprised at them. Huh? You're doubling <laughs> down. <laughs> it's, not no. a- it's it's we probably both, I'm I'm assuming, you know, we knew you guys had it in you. Um, I'm proud of those moments. I'm excited in those moments. But it's not like they did anything different in those moments that they haven't done for the last four years. Yeah, I'm not surprised by them. I, you know. I think truthfully, this whole thing, the hardest part for me is the guilt because I can't be there more. I can't share in there more. When Jordan was a freshman, she had her first game and it was on a Thursday and, you know, I work and I have the kids have school and everything else. And she's like, mom, don't worry. I'm I'm a freshman. I'm not even going to play. Not only does she play, but she scores her first collegiate goal and we weren't there. So I felt guilt for that. So then I made sure we were there for the second game, which luckily we saw her, her assist, but there's games where we just, we can't travel. You know, we can't go to the different States. Um, There's some weekends where, I mean, I have to balance it out. It's not fair to go to all Jordan's games and then miss out, you know, when the other kids have a tournament and they need a parent to take them or whatever. And we can't, you know, there's more than just the two of us can handle. So there's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of guilt. She will say why they don't need to go, but, (laughs) but she understands that too. And I'm very lucky that with five kids, they all know we can't be at everything, but that doesn't make it less easy for us. You know, it's hard. I'm impressed by how well you guys have been able to pull this off because I, Never in a million years would I have expected to see you as much as I have. You guys come to a lot of stuff considering, you know, everything. Um, so even with all the guilt, I mean, you guys make it to quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm happy with as much as we're able to go. And a lot of it is, you know, thank goodness your dad, because there's days where I'm up at, you know, so early and I'm doing stuff and he'll do a lot of the driving. So maybe. Maybe most of the driving. Yeah, all. But um, I mean, I would drive, but if I get somebody else to do it, why not? Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's nice that I have him and, you know, we work together and we set it up and, you know, makes it enjoyable. All right. Well, we will wrap up. We know that you all have plenty of things to do um, with a speed round. So I have a couple of just quick buzzer questions. We want your impulses. We want your first thought that comes to your head. So let's get it. All right. What is the best road trip snack? Oh, gummy bears. Gummy bears. Well, for me, it's Red Bull. So right, there we go. <laughs> We're drinking the caffeine and the sugar. Fueling of a soccer mom road trip. I love it. What has been the favorite goal that your daughter has scored? Lauren, you're first. Uh, we were in Florida and they were losing. And um, it was a big game to go on to the next round. And Jordan scores with this awesome... I don't even know how she got up that high header goal. Awesome. Mom mm, has to go back to high school. That set piece goal. They got the district championship. God, I've scored a lot in college. I just would like everyone to know that <laughs> of my career did not come my junior year of high school. You're at least a defender. I'm a forward. That's you scored against Penn State last year. Only potential goal that we scored in college? Two. Okay. So the second place goal was last week's. Last week's goal. Last week's okay. Her okay. first header goal in 23 years. <laughs> All right, Congratulations. <laughs> all right mom what is the biggest advice you have for a soccer mom breathe important trust the process breathe it will all work out mine is make friends with the other soccer moms they'll be your support and they'll help you when you really need it whether it's a ride whether it's advice whether it's to tell your kid to you know be nice to their mom <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> Jordan would never be mean. What are you talking about? Okay. What has been the biggest advice or biggest mistake in your opinion that soccer moms make? 
they get too involved and try to do things for their daughters. You should be handling your own phone calls. You should be handling your own conversations as a recruit moving on. And then once you get to college, it is not my place to call your coach ever. It is your place to handle all those conversations. And that needs to stop for other moms. I would say what they say on the sidelines. A lot of times they get upset. Why is that player playing? They make comments and I understand they're doing it in the moment. And of course they're focused on their own child, but it impacts the girls. It impacts, you know, the atmosphere, the environment. Be careful what you say on the sidelines. Like that. Speaking of, what has been the craziest moment you have seen on a soccer sideline? Look crazy. It's like, you have a good one. There's a lot of them. But I'd have to say when you were maybe third or fourth grade and we had to call police and parents got arrested for getting into fights. Yeah. I mean, third, fourth grade, that's a little early for soccer to be that serious. I thought you were going to say the parent jumping the fence and charging me as a referee, but I guess that goes into a different side. (laughs) That's where I thought I was going. (laughs) As a referee, that was the craziest. As a parent player, that's a different story. All right. Yes. Yes. When you were 16. They came very close, but I was 17 and a minor, so that would have been a lot of an issue. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. Other um, referees got in there and, and were her bodyguard. <laughs> Lauren, do you have any crazy sideline stories or do we just end on that? <laughs> no, just sort of what you said that I can remember. I mean, we had one soccer mom on the club team who was very vocal and uh, she would, you know, get into it sometimes. But I think the craziest one would be when your high school coach, who was a very quiet guy and there was a play with you. And this quiet guy, oh, I've never seen a coach so mad. And they booted him from not only the field, but they told him he had to leave the entire facility. And he did that all defending Jordan and um, like quiet before, quiet after. But in that moment, it it was intense. Shout out Scott Ward for sure. (laughs) Yes, yes. Total respect. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for spending the afternoon with us. I know our listeners are going to love hearing your guys' perspective because frankly, it's perspective that's not really talked about as much as you guys impact our lives every day. You're our sounding boards, you're our best friends. And of course, you're the reason why we might be the psychos that we are. So we love you all so much. And thank you, mom. Thank you, Lauren, so much for joining this podcast. Thank you, guys. Couldn't have lived the big life without you. Thank you for letting us be on here. I love watching you guys and listening every week. So Jordan, I did not think I would be leaving in tears with that interview, but I just walked my mom out the door and gave her a massive hug. How are you feeling after that? Feel good. I feel good. It was uh it was a really good conversation we had and I mean your mom made me cry a little bit there. I mean, talk about getting emotional. Yeah, I did not see that coming. We're both we're both people that don't really do that. So that was that was a weird moment in the Carey family that everyone listening got to witness. So, hope you enjoy. Speaking of parents, we actually have a write-in question, one of our first ones for the podcast. So we're so, so thankful from Amy from Massachusetts writing in. And anyone else who has questions, please write in. Either DM us or Girls Soccer Network on Instagram or reach out to me personally and email scary at girlssoccernetwork.com. And we would love to feature your questions on the pod. So Amy asks, as a parent of a high school sophomore just starting the recruiting process, did you or, or your parents subscribe to any of those recruiting services or platforms that are out about? I'm sure I had stuff out there, like the free ones we signed up for. I didn't pay for any of the bigger ones. Um, I used it mainly to just kind of like have all my information in one spot. But a lot of the stuff for recruiting, my coaches handle it or, you know, parents and things of that nature where we'd send out emails with all of the information that the recruiting websites would have anyways or I would just look up emails if I needed to do things of that nature so um, I didn't really utilize them but the recruiting process has changed so much since I've been through it even more since you've been through it so I'm not really sure how well they've adapted to all that. Absolutely. Once again, I also didn't use any of these platforms or services. I definitely was aware of them and I remember seeing them on social media and the emails and stuff like that I personally did not use them in my experience. 
those services tend to be tailored to like an NAIA or a D3 or D2, maybe even level. And not that that's an issue at all. If that's what you're aiming for, that's perfect. Everyone's process is different. The way people do things is different. I found that most of my recruiting success, like Jordan said, came from contacting coaches directly, whether that be finding their emails on their websites, directly giving them game schedules and being in contact as much as I can with the rules. And obviously those have changed, but those services are not something specifically I used. All right, yeah. question. How do you keep yourself organized during your busy high school years as an athlete or student? See, I think if you've listened to the podcast episodes thus far, you know that maybe I'm not the ideal person to ask this question. Um, it was just always getting it done, right? So I had to make a lot of sacrifices and being aware that these are the deadlines. This is what I have to get done by now. And just doing it, you know, kind of going through it, putting your head down and just kind of powering through whatever it was. I remember like there would be times where I would get back from practice because I was a three-sport athlete all throughout high school. So I'd go to school and then right after that, you'd have basketball or track practice. I'd go straight from there to my club practices. By the time you get home, you shower, you eat, I'm exhausted and it's super late. So I'd go right to bed and I'd wake up at four in the morning to do my, you know, AP chem homework or whatever it was at that time. Um, it was just knowing that those were the sacrifices I had to make to achieve what I wanted to achieve. I wouldn't say I was the most organized with it or disciplined with it. I'm sure there's better ways to go about it. Um, but it was just kind of a realization, like you have to do what you have to do and you got to get it done. There's a quote that I love that I feel like I hear a lot, but it's just, it takes what it takes. And at the end of the day, it just, it takes what it takes. Um, I would say I was a bit more organized than maybe Jordan was. My biggest thing was sticking to a routine. So in my head, in my body, I knew I woke up, I went to school. I came home a little bit before club soccer practice. I got all the homework I possibly could done then went to club practice and then grinded it out. And it didn't matter if it was some homework nights were lighter and some I was up till, you know, 11 o'clock midnight doing that homework. But when I knew that I had to get the biology homework done and the math homework done, and that was the way I was going to check it off, my brain was able to process that instead of just being like, I don't really know what I'm going to do today. So having a plan, having a routine and just being able to set yourself up for success. So in the morning, knowing that this is how my day is going to happen really helped me process and give a list. Just seeing checks fly off a checklist, there's nothing more satisfying to me. So writing out a checklist, scratching out that thing, like just seeing those little successes and using momentum off that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you said, utilizing the time that you do have, like there'd be times where I'm at basketball practice or a basketball game and like at our five minute break we have in between, I'm like doing my chem homework or I'm doing my biology homework, whatever it was at the time. Um, so making sure you know what you have to get done and then just utilizing the time that you have to the best of your ability to actually achieve those results. Absolutely. And last question, do you ever worry about being a D1 athlete and missing out on the other aspects of college, of life, or even a focus on your education? This is a really, really good question. Um, and it's something that I definitely have worried about in the past, um, prior to getting here, freshman year, where you're as a D1 athlete, we're never going to get the typical college experience. And I think that's something kids get in their head where they want to balance it. Um, that's, you're not gonna, like, there's no balance. Like, this is your life. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get it. But it's the realization that this is what we've worked 18, 19, 20 years to achieve, to get here. And now you're here, like you made it. Like, this is all of your dreams coming true. And you're going to be kind of upset that you can't go to a park or a frat or whatever it is, go out on a Friday night. Um, being in it now, it just seems kind of silly, but it's definitely something I was worried about where I was missing out on the typical college experience until I realized that that's not what I wanted. Yeah. Like I would sacrifice that every single time to get to play soccer here at Michigan State at, at this level. Like this is what I want to do and this is what I want to achieve. And if it's not, if you don't want to do that and you want to have a balance, then I would not suggest being at this level because what a lot of kids um, think they're going to be able to balance, you're not going to. This is your entire life, uh, essentially. So, 100%. I love this question that was written in. And my first reaction is I don't worry about it because I know I'm not. Like, I know I'm going to miss out on it. And that's just a fact of life. 
But like Jordan said, we get to experience something as D1 athletes that other people dream of. And how cool is it to say that like, you flew out to North Carolina. I've been to Virginia and Mississippi and how many states already playing the game I love. So yeah, guess what? I've probably been to about two football games in five years, maybe. You know, I don't go out to the parties or whatever. And there's no problem if that's the college life that you want, 100%. You know, as for a focus on academics, I will say when it comes to being a student athlete, I think that is where things are manageable. Your social life will be the first to go, 100%. But also you're a student athlete. That's kind of what you signed up for. That being said, you know, I've never felt a holdback by being a student athlete. They will do whatever it possibly can to get your academic goals to also come true. And, you know, there might be some situations where you don't want to do a certain major or you're scared to take a lab this semester that you really want to take because you don't want to miss it because of soccer. But there's flexibility and there's workarounds. And there's, of course, going to be moments here or there that you don't go to. But like Jordan said, we also get so much and we dreamed of being here. So, yeah, do I get sad sometimes when you miss that? Of course. Like, there's FOMO. I'm not going to lie about it. But I dreamed of being here my whole life. So it's just also being grateful for that, too. Absolutely. It's a different experience. And it's not necessarily like a worse one. My social life, those surroundings that you get from maybe doing what other kids, I don't even know what it is anymore. But like the typical. What do people do? What do you do for fun? I don't like so much time. (laughs) Well, like, I mean, I live with three gymnasts. I live with a soccer player and three gymnasts. Like I have my community within the athletics programs now. Like that's my social group, my friend group. That's who we hang out with. I get to live with them. Like there's my social aspect taken care of right there. They're my roommates and my best friends, you know, all in one. And then the academics, um, I've always had the personality where I'd rather try and fail than never try at all. You know, I'm a mechanical engineering major. I have a three, seven GPA, like I'll be the first to admit, and you've heard me admit it. Like it is hard, but it's not undoable. You know, it's just, what are you willing to sacrifice to make it work? Um, you know, and I got lucky that I have people to help me and it's resources and advantages. Does being a student athlete make it way harder to pull off? It's continuing to be hard, but I'd rather try and fail than never try at all. And it's worked out so far. So I love that. I love that. Well, Jordan, thank you so much. Amazing time as always. What does this next week bring for you? Yeah, it turns out we have a little bit of the same schedule here. Um, Nice little trip. We have Minnesota, Wisconsin, so we'll be gone away for both games. We're going to charter, leave Wednesday night, and then we'll be gone Thursday through Sunday playing both those teams, and we'll charter on back. We're quite booked. We have Wisconsin, then Minnesota, so do me a huge favor. Thursday night, wear Minnesota out. That way, they're maybe a little bit more tired when they come to Iowa City on Sunday. But another jam-packed week of college soccer, of Big Ten soccer. Watch all of our games on Big Ten+. Plus. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, send this to a player, a teammate, a coach, a friend, another soccer mom. We love all of our soccer moms as always. And thank you so much, Soccer On. Bye guys.